This is Consider Anew, the weekly micro-podcast that invites you to discover something new or see a familiar thing in a new way. This season, I'll be joined by co-host Dr. Jane Shore, the brilliant head of research and innovation at School of Thought. Michael, thank you for sharing this amazing platform with us. School of Thought is on a mission to amplify innovative work, build resources, and connect innovators and innovation and education. We do this through the School of Thought blog, gatherings, and now this podcast. On each episode this season, we'll speak with guests from all over the world, explore thought-provoking topics, and share ideas you can take and make usable in your world. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Crawford. And I'm this season's co-host, Dr. Jane Shore. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for being here. This is Consider Anew, season two, which is really exciting. Uh, On season one, it was just me. It was me and quotes and uh, interesting ideas that I wanted to to share and explore. Uh, And so it was 40 episodes uh, of that, of finding cool quotes and reflecting on them and sharing resources that are connected. Uh, This season, is a bit different and I, I wanted it to be different. I wanted to uh, include some other voices uh, and change the format up. And uh, one of my good friends, Jane Shore, uh, is doing really amazing things at an organization called School of Thought. She was a big fan, uh, or at least told me that, we'll, we'll, we'll find out, uh, of season one and of what I was trying to do with the podcast. And so we started talking and and just kind of riffing on ways that we could possibly collaborate. And so I'm really excited that this season, uh, season two, will be in partnership with School of Thought, uh, in partnership with Jane as the co-host. Uh, and so Jane, welcome to Consider Anew. I'm so glad we're making this happen. I am too. Um, it's funny. I, of course, I'm a big fan. I, I, I think that um, one of the things that is really resonant for me is this idea of considering anew and the way we think again about things in our world. I think that's how we learn. Um, and you are such an entrepreneurial spirit in all of these endeavors in, in pushing people's thinking. Um, we've had the opportunity this year at School of Thought um, to really um, amplify the work of others. And when you talk about voices, bringing in voices, that's what we're all about. Um, the School of Thought is is a part of the Revolution School in Philadelphia, which is a new place-based school. We opened in 2019. And with our founder, Gina Moore, we co-founded the School of Thought, which is a learning community for community builders. And I, I really, I have to shout out to my team because we just started our third year um, in this crazy, uh, what school could be world um, in so many ways. It's had us consider anew um, in every school setting. Um, our our uh, head of school, Henry Fairfax, um, our, our head of program, Mike Party, and um, I feel like I want to say our head of things creative and communication, um, my my dear friend Jenna Croxford. I think um, part of what we want to do in this collaboration, which I'm so grateful for, is to open up and recognize the learning that happens when we gather people in community and keep the conversation going. And um, can I add? Yeah, go. (laughs) I want to add. So um, part of our work is in, um, 
you know, in collaboration with the Pennsylvania Association of Independent Schools. And coming up next week, we have our first gathering. It is a community of thought. So it's a school of thought program. And the goal is to build cultures for research and practice. I think so often we talk about research to practice mm -hmm. and we really want to elevate and recognize um, the roles that we all play in the same space mm -hmm. to talk, to ask questions. And so we're going to have our first gathering next Thursday, September 23rd from four to 5 PM. And it is on catalyzing conversation around change in education. It is part of the amazing work of the hundred days project, which, um, worked across the country with more than 600 people and conversation around um, what are the things, what are the opportunities for change? If you're interested in signing up for the gathering, you can go to the PACE website at paispa.org backslash community of thought gatherings. Nice. And yeah, I'm excited. That's awesome. Yeah. It, uh, I have been adjacent to these, uh, the gatherings planning. Uh, and it, yeah, it sounds amazing. I mean, bringing together folks who are doing important work in the space, uh, colliding with folks that they may not have met or had not even heard of and getting an infusion of new ideas and energy. I mean, I think this is, uh, there's a, so much magic that can come from that. And so I'm really excited to see what these gatherings look like. And, uh, you know, obviously really happy to, uh, to be supporting that work through the podcast and, 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 uh, having many of the folks who will be attending the gatherings or even leading or sort of keynoting the gatherings as guests on this podcast, which is really exciting too. Yeah. So, so yeah, so that's, uh, anything else you want to say? Um, no, I mean, I think that the idea is to extend the conversation. So for all those listening, we really want to hear from you. We, this is our way of reaching out and being in public conversation, you know, holding up and elevating the voices that are in the work. And um, it's yeah. really about all of our voices. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And all of the, you know, links as always to all the things will be in the show notes. And so uh, you can sign up for gatherings. You can go check out School of Thought. You can go find Jane on Twitter. Um, all this stuff will be in the show notes as well. So uh, I encourage you to to do that and to you know certainly tune in to the rest of this episode and future ones as we explore the topics that are going to be front and center at gatherings. Uh, we talk to the people who will be leading and participating in these gatherings. And so uh, definitely do that. And young people. Mm -hmm. So the people that are leading and participating are also youth, big part of this conversation and an important message um, that, that I feel, um, you know, we're in the place to really um, include are the voices of youth in these change conversations. They have such powerful things to say and they're thinking in ways that are outside the thinking of some of the individuals that might be in positions of of um, decision-making in schools. So really need to make sure that we include all the voices across settings and ages. Mm -hmm. Love it. And that <clears throat> leads us to episode one right here where we are and our first guest of season two, um, which is Dr. Aaron Robb. And uh, if you don't know Aaron, you need to. Um, just super sharp, uh, been working in education, 
in a range of different capacities. Um, she's at Choice Filled Lives right now. She launched, co-founded the 100 Days Project, which we which we talk about in this episode. Um, she launched Reinvision Ed a, a number of years ago that is all about voices, conversations, bringing people together, similar to Jane, what you and I uh, care a lot mm-hmm. about. Um, and I'm just, I'm, you know, a huge fan. And so uh, yeah. in this, in this episode, we talk about, uh, you know, her experience catalyzing these conversations uh, with 100 Days Project and kind of her reflections and, and different strategies and suggestions that she has for all of us, regardless of our position in education mm-hmm. or in government or in, in community spaces, you know, how we can be better listeners, um, how we can leverage the power of conversation to, to advance our work. And so uh, a really yeah. awesome, exciting conversation coming up. Yeah. When, when I think of Erin, I think of the word effervescent. And I think it's just, if you meet her, you, yeah. you hear from her. Um, she is an effervescent person. She's an effervescent thinker and doer and researcher and teacher. Um, and I also really appreciate that she focuses deeply on the purpose of education, the why we're here. I mean, she'll talk about her work starting a library in South Africa and all the work that she did at Stanford across these different places where she was continually searching um, for uh, the collective work that could bring education forward. And um, she really looks at why. And and the other thing I think she does so beautifully is um, empowers everybody to be part of the change. So um, the episode we um, created with Aaron and with young people provide a, a larger vision of the places and the voices that we want to bring into conversation. Yeah, for so. sure. Yeah. Aaron, Aaron is, uh, is amazing. Um, yeah, there's still, I think in my opinion, uh, not enough conversation around the purpose or the purposes. And Aaron yeah. wrote her dissertation on sort of the purpose of education or, or provided some purposes that are, uh, that are kind of available or the most popular ones. It's, it's the, one of the things that drew me to her in the first place is I read a blog that she wrote about the purpose. And I was like, nobody, <clears throat> too few people, I think are talking about this in this kind of way. Uh, and so since then we've been pals and, um, it's just great to have her, uh, great to have her as guest number one on this season. And it's always great to talk to her. So yeah, you ready to jump in? Yeah. All right, let's do it. I am. All right. We'll see you let's there. Let's do it. All right. Hello, Jane. Hello, Aaron. Great to see you all. Thank you both for being here as always. How are things? You guys good? Doing good. well. Good. Good to Wonderful. see you. Awesome. Uh, today we have the wonderful Dr. Aaron Robb here to chat with us uh, about some of her work, about catalyzing conversations uh, and, and listening uh, and really uh, trying to change things in education and beyond. And so that's what we're here for. So uh, let's, let's jump in. So Aaron, I know, you know, one of the rad projects that you've been part of recently is called a hundred days of conversation. And so what uh, we would love is for you to describe that project um, and kind of tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to that project, how you started that project, uh, what the purpose of it, go for it. Yeah, 
So 100 Days of Conversations really came out of a much longer journey. I've been working in education for over 20 years. I started out in international development, spent a number of years like working directly with young people and educators in a township in South Africa, starting up an education center, and just felt really frustrated that the system didn't really seem to be serving almost any of the young people I worked with. And I kind of thought maybe that had to do with the fact that I didn't have a background in education. I just didn't understand it. And so I went off to do my PhD um, at Stanford and I'm going to give a seven years, about 30 seconds, which is a lot of what I learned in my PhD was that really smart people had thought about all of these different things for a very long time. So whether it was literacy or second language acquisition or socio-emotional learning or character development, none of this was new. And we had empowering theories and we have empowering approaches and we just largely don't use them. And so I had a point where I actually almost dropped out of my PhD, um, but ended up um, thinking that none of it was really going to be worthwhile to work on if people had worked on it for so long. I'm not smarter than any of those people. Um, but what I came to thinking about was um, systems change. If it wasn't going to be a, a discrete intervention, um, what does it look like to transform a system so it actually does serve the students um, that we care about? And the things um, from systems thinking that are important is that you have to have a shared sense of what the purpose of that system is and you have to have a vision. Um, and 100 Days of Conversations comes out of work that we've been doing the last couple of years um, through a project called Re Envision Ed, where we work with classrooms, schools, districts across the country where young people really um, talk to each other, talk to um, adults in their communities, and they learn about their community's vision and think about how to make change. But of course, last year we hit this moment of multiple crises in our um, democracy and our schooling system, obviously in our healthcare system, um, and um, wanted to think about how we see the opportunity in this moment of crises to um, not just default back to the old normal and actually move into new ways of thinking about what um, school could be, what society could be, um, and that that really required bringing people together to create those shared visions. So the 100 Days of Conversations project uh, was organized to bring people together within their local communities in an intergenerational sense. So young people, educators, families, and get them talking about what is um, possible for the future, not just what would we change about school, but what's a good life? What's a thriving community? What makes a thriving community? What's the role of school in helping to create these lives, these communities that we want to create? And how do we learn from this moment about what is actually important in those spaces, in those spaces of school, in those spaces of community um, that we want to bring forward out of the crisis? And so um, people came together in small groups of five to eight, um, young people and adults, um, and they had a, a set protocol that we designed. The entire thing was pre-designed, so everyone had a very similar experience across the different conversations. Um, and then what was really cool is that was recorded um, and uploaded to our partners, our Human Restoration Project and Local Voices Network, um, and Choice Build Lives Network are the three organizing partners, and Local Voices Network has a platform where that was transcribed, and all participants get access to that um, transcript so that we can have a joint meaning-making process about what is important that comes out of it. We had about 600 people participate across 37 states, and we're now in the process of analyzing that data, um, making sure, I think one of the cool things about the project is that young people are involved, not just in the conversations, but every step of the way. So they're on our main team, they were part of designing it, and they're part of um, 
recruiting people, they are part of facilitating conversations, they are part of um, the social media team is all young people, and then now they are the ones actually working with us to analyze. And so um, we uh, look out soon for findings coming out of what people are talking about. Erin, one of the things that I always really appreciate from your work, which is always profound and thoughtful, is not only the meaning that you add in each piece, like there's such a mission related to young people serving and there's a mission related to the questions that you're asking and there's a mission related to the intergenerational work but you always also reflect and sort of like think about what are the things that we could be doing differently or how did that work um, and one question i have as we look back and look forward um, is is there something that you wish you knew um, at the start that you know now, something that could, um, that makes you reflect back and think about the work that you were able to do, something that would have. Yeah. Okay, there are a number of insights and there are different ways to answer that question. Um, one thing I think we all knew, but still it's just always a challenge is just how hard it is for people, like how much time scarcity most people are living in. How hard it is for people to carve out an hour and a half to talk and listen with others in their community. It was really hard and genuinely challenging, not because people didn't want to do it, people were really excited, but the actual um, logistics of just getting five to eight people together at the same time um, to talk even on Zoom, even in a pandemic, right? Like when everyone's in their homes was really, really a challenge. And it, it really brought to the fore how much we have created systems and lives that make this very core and essential part of what we need to be able to make good decisions, to be able to design well, difficult. <laughs> because if you don't have the time to really listen and you don't have the time to think big picture, um, you can't design well. And so we're just constantly rushing um, through life and not for lack of, I think one of the things that came out very clear, clearly is that people really wanted to do it. People were excited about it. People thought that this was important more so actually than I anticipated that people would. Like people loved the idea more than I thought that they would. Um, but then the actual just getting people together was um, uh, very difficult. And I think would you all mind if I give, give a separate answer to this as well? Like a, two other insights that came out that are really kind of setting us up for what this will be next. Which is, um, I, I love it. But I also, I want to just respond to what you were just saying, because I wonder in some ways, Erin, you've spent time all over the world. And I wonder if you see this as, a, as something that's cultural or something that we can sort of, it's a place to disrupt. Um, you know, I know that there's a lot of conversation around, you know, our ability to listen and, and our ability to pause. And is it a cultural, is it something that we've learned when we had to pause last year, this whole year and we're still sort of in this pause? I wonder if it's an American or a North yeah. American or US culture. I think it's certainly cultural. It's yeah. certainly cultural. It's certainly the ways that we've built our lives. How much it is uh, uniquely American, I'm not sure, and how much it is kind of like living in the in 2021, yeah. um, and having to, I don't know, be in this in this global competitive 
world where you know all our all our days are kind of filled and our minutes are filled. Um, but I do think it is more so here, and we have lost some of the institutions, rituals, um, spaces that I think still exist in other places that allow people to interact on a regular basis in this way. It that it requires us to actually design it into our systems where it's not naturally kind of occurring, basically. Yeah. Um, and I would say two, two things that came out of this process that uh, we are transforming the process to think about moving into the future. Uh, one is this, that, that we learned that people want to do this People actually want to listen to people in their community and the leaders want to be able to learn from people in their community and take that into their decision-making. And it turns out this is really hard to do. Lots of people have started this process. We got lots of people who said, hey, yeah, we started trying to do this. And then they kind of would peter out. And it was like, yeah, so we started, we started this, but then, um, you know, it was hard to get people together or people could come after school or we had the conversations, but it only included some people and not other people. And then we didn't know what to do with, you know, like, how do you make sense of that afterwards and feed into it? And so kind of the both expertise and time to design a process that can actually fit into decision making is a skill set. And that um, it was hard for people to just do that off the cuff um, in different communities. Some people still did. And what was interesting is that even in those places where it went super well, one of the things that became very clear is that it just stayed there in that one community for that one year, uh, usually, and no one else got to learn from it. The community down the school didn't learn from it, or down the, down the street, the school down, the school down the street didn't learn from it. The um, you know, state policymakers didn't learn from it. No one else got to learn from what this really productive kind of process was at this local community. And so we started thinking about this in two different ways. One, like from an infrastructure perspective of, could we create an infrastructure for this kind of community engaged leadership and policymaking that would make it kind of like hopping on the metaphorical highway that you didn't have to build the whole road <laughs> to, to do it, but you could kind of hop on and, and make it happen in a way that was much more facilitated so that it eased all of that kind of expertise that's needed up front um, and just made it as easy as possible. And then simultaneously, we started thinking about this, and this is something that's come out of uh, how I think about change work more broadly now, is how do you make the intervention itself, the thing that you are doing, already the practice of living what you want to be, right? Like how is it already, not that this leads to something else, leads to something else, but almost like a fractal, right? Like both kind of vertically, but also just that, that what you are doing, the practice of it is what you want. So we think about 100 Days of Conversations as like first and foremost, bringing people together in community to listen to one another, because we think this is what is needed, that young people need to be able to be heard by adults in their community. And that by just literally bringing them together to do this, we are already solving a whole bunch of problems because people just don't have the space and time to do that. So um, so one is that it's like it connects people at the local level um, it helps them listen to one another and also reflect on their own thoughts. And then it helps their leaders make better decisions just at a local level. But then the fractal part of that is like, we were like, well, okay, if people at the state level aren't learning, how do we do that same thing at the state level? How do we have state-led partners who are connecting with others across their state? So again, they're connecting with people um, across, they're learning from different perspectives, they're listening, but that they also at the state level get to move that into their policymaking and decision-making, right? And then simultaneously at the national level, how are we connecting groups across the country who are thinking about this and doing this and listening to one another, learning from one another, and then 
turning that into ways um, that this can inform decision making at the national level. And so we started thinking about how it could like build up, but that the actual practice itself, just people getting together in the local community on its own is already enough. Like none of it, the rest has to happen. If that's happening, great. But we, we've created a process that can actually solve multiple, multiple goals at multiple levels. Love that. I mean, I, uh, I love the idea of fractals. I love the idea. It, it, it reminds me of, um, uh, of just sort of like praxis, uh, in motion, right? Like, like constant sort of learning, doing, learning, doing, learning, doing, and it, and it's almost, they're almost inseparable in, in ways, um, because as you're doing the thing and you're reflecting on it or you're learning, you're sort of doing the thing again. And so, um, I love that. Do you have any, any tips or suggestions for people who, who want to do that? And that sounds like a great idea, but don't necessarily know, uh, how to go about creating that kind of, of sort of learning and living practice. Uh, combined. Yeah. The first thing I want to say is reach out to us. <laughs> reach out to sure. Us. Okay. And let's, and let's talk about it, especially if this is the kind of thing that you were thinking about doing. But I think that this, but I think this process is what leads you to being able to think about what are those practices in your normal, mm. right? Like, yeah, you need a process for listening to one another, thinking about what is the practice right? What is the practice? Like, what are we actually trying to do together here? And then how do we do that every day? How do we, how do we show up? How do we make sure that our systems are set up to facilitate rather than inhibit that, right? Like, um, um, and how do we build that into our rituals and routines so that we actually live it every day? Yeah. It's, it's so nice too, because I think about the things that we're all doing together, even just that we're having a conversation like this, and we get to talk to each other. And I know we get to do that all the time. I also think about, um, you know, the gatherings that we're about to have um, with, with the Pennsylvania Association of Independent Schools. And I think about making those um, a practice, you know, it's, it doesn't need to be an event. It is, I think what you're speaking to is that, that sort of like line where, these things are not events they are community building and you're you're gathering people together because that's how things happen that's how change happens that's how people understand each other so that's awesome it all it's great erin uh, uh i know you got to jump where can people find you where can people learn more about this work uh where how do people find uh, all the amazing things you're doing? Um, my partner in crime on 100 Days of Conversations, Chris McNutt um, of the Human Restoration Project has built an extraordinary website just at www.100daysofconversations.org. And we are just starting to release some of our actual analysis, but you can also check out our materials. You can check out the other kind of media we've done. You can um, try it out yourself and you can reach out to us via that website. And we're also having a gathering soon that's going yeah. to feature Erin and, and young people. So that'll be another opportunity that um, School of Thought Revolution, uh, School of Thought and um, the Pennsylvania Association are are honored to get to talk and, and do exactly what you're saying is one of the biggest lessons learned is just getting people together. 
and having these conversations. And maybe we can put that in the notes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all this stuff will be in the show notes uh, for sure. So check out links. You can contact Erin at appropriate email addresses. Uh, she's on Twitter. We'll put that in there as well. So Erin, uh, thanks for your time, for your insights, for all the things that uh, that you do out in this wonderful world. We appreciate you. Thank you for being you. And thank you for being our first podcast here and getting to try this out with us. What a joy always to see both of you. And I appreciate uh, both your thoughtfulness and your insights, but also your willingness to jump in and try new things and be doing this um, in, you know, this practice with each other and uh, for the world. I'm just always grateful. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on and just for your um, friendship and, I don't know, what, what is it called when we're, we're in, we're doing the work together? I want to say Coll- like- colleagues. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That doesn't have the kind of zest to that we're looking for. We are, but. We are in, um, we're co-creating now. Yeah. We're co-creators. Co-creators. I think, yeah, that'll work. That'll work for now. We'll be, we'll get better at, at these terms okay. as the season progresses. I'm confident. My co-conspirators. How about that? My co-conspirators. There you go. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about spirit. I heard the word spirit oh, in there and spirit. I didn't realize there's something about spirit. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. This is this is right. This is right. This um, is it. Like co-conspirators and making the world a better place. <laughs> we'll take it. All right, Aaron. Good to see you. Thank you so much. And we'll uh, we'll chat with you later. Yes. Cheers. That wraps this episode of Consider Anew. Check out the show notes for links and other details. If you liked what you heard and you're willing to help the podcast out, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review. And if there's someone in your world who you think might appreciate this episode, do them a favor and send it their way. Thanks to Michael Lipset of Pastel Stories. And thanks, Jane, for joining me. Thanks, Michael, for having me and for collaborating with School of Thought. And thanks to you, listener, for tuning in. As always, we'd love to hear from you. So say hello on Twitter. I'm at ShoreJaneShore. And check out our blog, School of Thought substack.com where we make big ideas usable i'm at mj craw on twitter and i'd love to connect at mjcraw.com and until next time consider a new